0: Lord, we want to hear from you today, so I pray that you would select just the words that you want to say to us today from your word. Thank you for the abundant overflow of your word in our lives, and Lord, we want to hear exactly what you want to be spoken. I pray that you would select my words and that you would also select from my words exactly what each person needs to hear from you. I pray that you'd help us to turn off our own selectivity that makes us want to hear what we want to (laughs) hear and hear exactly what you want to speak to us today. We pray, please give us your word today, Jesus, and help us to listen and obey and rejoice in your good word to us. Amen. All right, so... 2021 was a year for healing community when we had all that flourishing plant growth of healing. And we're kind of continuing that theme in our year for God's overflow in 2022. And again, we are uh, the extended version of the year for God's overflow. is a year to go and grow in God's overflow or with God's overflow. So I want to focus today on the grow So we're going to have a few um, different perspectives on this theme for the year. Uh, Pastor Andrew is going to bring a perspective next week and the following week, uh, James, Pastor James. um, Not this Jim Olson, but uh, James Underwood. And um, so I want us to focus on the grow. And this is a theme throughout Scripture. We talked about the desert, the Judean desert that God said was going to flow with his river and overflow with life as the river flew flew through, flowed through, and then the plants were going to grow and the trees were going to grow. And all of that was going to demonstrate His life-giving. Now this is a theme, I just picked those select verses in Isaiah 35, which is a theme verse for us, the rose blooming in the desert, and Ezekiel 47, another theme we've mentioned a lot of the, the river flowing out of the temple and through the wilderness and making life all the way to the Dead Sea. Um, but this, is, this theme of growing is all through Scripture, starting from the very beginning. You'll remember that God created all of this, life, and then he put Adam and Eve where? In a garden. A garden of Eden. And verse 10 said that there was a, four rivers flowing out of the garden of Eden. And it was full of trees, beautiful life-giving, good for food and beauty and work. They had good work tending this garden and watching it flourish. And they walked in the cool of the day with God. And they were naked and knew no shame with God or with each other because there was no sin. There was no corruption. And then they chose to do the one little thing that God had told them not to do. And I don't know if any of you have noticed, but I'm not rebellious at all until someone tells me something to do. Now, if it's something that I already thought of doing, that's not a problem. But that's not exactly submission or obedience if it was my idea, right? But I don't know, this stuff, anytime somebody tells me to do something, it does something in me that makes me want to do not what they said. Anybody else have that? Sometimes, yeah, it just happens to, I don't notice I'm rebellious until somebody asks me to do something. Especially if they require me to do something, then I get really annoyed and rebellious. Um, So, but when he asked them this one thing, they chose to eat from the knowledge of good and evil. They said, I think we know better than most people. I think we know better than God. And so they chose to do, and then God responded with mercy and judgments and he said you are still going to be able to work but it's going to be with sweat and weeds things are still going to grow but not easily you're still going to be able to have children but with pain and this and you're still you're going to die but i'm going to give you time before you die and then i'm graciously going to ban you from the tree of life so that you don't have to live in this awful state forever. And so we were banned from the garden and from the tree of life and from all that flourishing and sent out east to the dry lands. And this is a theme then that continues through scripture. And we see in the, the oppression in Egypt. There was a famine in Egypt that, that started things. And then there's this oppression and, and injustice that happens in Egypt. And God promises he's going to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey and all this flourishing that's going to happen there but he takes them through the wilderness and he humbles them in the wilderness where they have to depend on him for every drink and every daily food and he makes them dependent on him in the wilderness in order to eat the wilderness is a place where he makes us dependent and he humbles us and then he brings them into the promised land and he gives them this land and, and they are able to, to tend their own crops and, and water falls from heaven, unlike Egypt that had to depend on the river. And, and God blesses them. And they stop depending on him. And they stop doing justice and loving one another. And they stop loving him and loving each other. And God responds with justice and mercy and love. And he, he sends prophets who say, don't do that. Don't do that or God's going to judge you. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are some of these prophets. And he tells them these wonderful things like, they're not going to listen to you, but say it anyways. I'm going to make you stubborn. And you're just going to keep saying it all kinds of different ways, but they're not going to listen to you. And so they come and they give this message about how we need to be depending upon God and not on nations and and allies and other things. We need to fear God and not people. Isaiah is an amazing book, a big book with lots of stuff in it. But he says so much stuff. And and we like the, again, we talked last time about how we love to cherry pick the, the blessing verses out of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, but a lot of it is judgment verses. But I want you to know something. Judgment is God's mercy. God is warning us about what could happen. He's trying to save us from pain. He's trying to, but it may take some pain to get there. So when I listen for a life-giving word, I tend to think, give me a life-giving word. And we tend to like prophecies that are like, God's going to bless you and, and and I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future. But remember, that's in the middle of Isaiah that's mostly about, I know the plans for you, I'm going to bring you destruction and destroy Jerusalem because you're being unjust, you're following other gods. So we've got to get all of it in context so we hear all of the life-giving words. So one of the places in Isaiah, where he picks up on that theme of growing and, uh, and, and uh, flourishing, but in a different way of a, a justice, because God is going to be exalted by a justice, and he doesn't play favorites. He's not just against Egypt because they were unjust. If Israel becomes unjust, he's against them too. And so in Isaiah 5, he tells this song of a vineyard. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, planted it with the best vines in the middle. He built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. But the grapes that grew were bitter. Now you people of Jerusalem and Judea, you judge between me and my vineyard. The more, what more could I have done for my vineyard than I have already done? What I expected, sweet grapes. Why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now, let me tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I'll make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I'll command the clouds to drop, no rain on it. So he removes the protection that he had put there and lets the animals and everything trample it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of Yahweh of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. And then he says, he expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. And in the Hebrew, this is a, a, uh, a, a play on words. Um, he expected mishpat, but he got mishpach. He expected tzedakah, but got tzedakah. So what God wanted was justice, justice in relationship to him, especially justice in relationships between people and righteousness. They're the same word in Hebrew. They're used in the back and forth, like you see here, justice and, oppression and righteousness. But he got something else. And so, and he goes on and, and gives specific examples. What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. So oppressive greed and, and then indulgent luxury. And, uh, and he goes on and mocking God and saying, hurry up and do something. You want to see what you can do? Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan if we want to know what it is. This paying no attention to God, it says in verse 12, they, they're, they're always up for having fun and loving the music, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he's doing. That is the kind of injustice or one of the, some of the symptoms of the injustice that happened there. Now, so the, I want you to see that this is a theme, this theme of flourishing or not flourishing is throughout Scripture. Psalm 1, which is, was uh, a key text in our Year to Thrive, talks about, um, I think most of you remember it, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Anybody heard any mockers lately? Anybody joined in with mockers? Me, sometimes. It's so fun to mock those people or what, what's going on, right? But they delight In the law of Yahweh. Meditating on it day and night. Would you pray for me that I would delight in the word of God? Can I pray that for you? That I'd meditate on it day and night? I get so easily meditating on other things. Or delighting in other things. But those aren't where the roots are that I need. And it goes on and says... About the roots of this tree they are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. So these trees have their source in God and they're bearing that fruit of justice and, 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 and joy and, 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 and prosperity comes out of that. But not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They'll be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For Yahweh watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Chaff has no roots. It just blows away. It's got no food value. It just blows away. But a tree planted by the word of God bears fruit in every season. I want to delight and meditate there. I don't want to be going down that path of destruction with the mockers that's what I want that's not always what I do and God sends his prophet and sends his word to say don't do that choose life choose the path of life now here's the thing is that I want to hear the encouraging words about yeah you're doing good that's the good path to go wait but sometimes I need to hear the prophets they say don't That's the path of destruction. And so, um, and I tend to like to um, be independent. Let me just say that. And I don't like to hear words that are negative. Anybody ever been to the doctor and heard a negative word? And not wanted to hear that? Now, is is that a life-giving word or not? So, um, some of you know I'm, I'm having uh, something coming up next week. So for several years since I was back in Nairobi, people have been, you know, the doctor's been saying, "Oh, your PSA score is kind of high here. I think you should go have an ultrasound. I came back here and we think we better send you to the urologist. and I think we better do an MRI. And we better do a biopsy. We better do another MRI, another biopsy. Why don't you take this medicine? that helped. Um, and um, the doctor, now yeah, you have a little bit of cancer. Oh, I, I did not like that word. Cancer. That's not a life-giving word. So when the next biopsy had no (laughs) cancer, praise God, no cancer, I'm healed. That's life-giving. And then they said, but your PSA is starting to go back up again. So we're going to have to do another biopsy. I'm like, no, no, another biopsy. Uh, Because we are pretty sure we just didn't find the cancer, and it's still there, and it's still growing. That's what the signs indicate. Now, I like to deny Those kind of words. Oh, no, 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 no. Praise God, I don't have to hear that. But you know what? My doctor is trying to give me life-giving words. And the life-giving word is, you have cancer. And the second word is, and we can take it out. We can do surgery. We can... Prune that cancer, and then you can have life. Here's the problem. There's some pain involved in surgery. Some side effects after surgery. I don't like pain. Anybody else? I don't like death. Anybody else? So, cancer is a life-giving word for my doctor, followed by another life-giving word. I can take that out. And here's what will happen when I do that. Some pain. So um, I would like to just depend upon myself. I'd like to do my own research and figure out that that doesn't make any sense. I did my some of my own research, and I need to listen to my doctor too. Turns out he might be right. I don't know if he's right or not. That's really annoying. That thing of uncertainty. Probably there's cancer. Probably I should do it now while I have health insurance and a good surgeon. So I don't I'm not certain but best listening I can do I've got cancer and on Tuesday I'm going to have it out and I appreciate your prayer for me because I'm not depending on the surgeon to heal me. I appreciate his words. I appreciate his diagnosis. I appreciate his treatment. But I'm not depending on him to heal me because my source is Jesus. For life, for healing. Amen. Our source is Jesus. But we also need to listen when Jesus sends different prophets our way. Sometimes even if they're not Christians. And they say something that's true. But my real instinct is to avoid pain. That's what I really want to do. Self-preservation. Avoid pain. That's my real instinct. No, don't want to hear anything negative about me or my body or anybody I love but it's not facing the reality that I live in a fallen world pain sickness death are part of this world God has also not abandoned us those are both true and it's easy to get stuck in one side or the other of that and right oh man it's all negative 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 or God is good we don't have to think about anything negative God heals. We don't have to think about any kind of sickness. But it doesn't always work out that way. God heals. And it's always temporary in this life. But he gives us resurrection life, which is always permanent. So, how do we keep those things together? So, Back to Isaiah 35 and the story of the vineyard. And John picks up this same story. I'm not going to read it. Look in Luke 3, 7 to 9. He says, the axe is at the root of the trees. God's going to cut you down unless you do what he asks. Uh, Maybe I will read it. Um, The crowds came to John for baptism. He's saying to repent for the forgiveness of sins. And uh, when the crowds came, he said, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Isn't that a positive kind of prophet? Don't you love those guys? Out in the Judean desert where it's dry. They're going out there. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. We're descendants of Abraham. We're safe. We're Christians. We're safe. We're Americans. We're safe. Nothing could happen to us. Don't just say that. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from those very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Good fruit. Where did we hear that before? Isaiah 5. And he goes on and explains, what should you do? If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share with those who are hungry. He's looking for... Justice. Produce fruit. Jesus says the same thing. Now, you see what happened? Isaiah prophesied that God was going to judge his vineyard if they didn't repent. They didn't repent. God destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, wiped out Jerusalem, and they went off into exile. Now they were back. And now John says this. And now Jesus says this. Luke 13, verse 6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Where are we? Jesus was telling these people, you're in your last year. You have this opportunity to turn back to God. Because he's ready to cut you down. Because you're not producing that fruit of justice, of worship of him. You, you are not producing the kind of fruit that he expects. You are not depending on him as you're... You're independent. You are, you are producing bad grapes. No fruit. That is the kind of word I don't like to hear, but it is a life-giving word. For those who listened to John, who listened to Jesus, who repented, they became this new community that God blessed and flourished. Those who did not, the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And it has never been rebuilt. They did not listen to the warning. They did not pay attention. What is God saying to you? Now, in the end, Revelation 22, we know that we get to a new garden. Actually, it's not a garden, it's a city. But it's a garden like city with a river flowing through it and the tree of life on both sides, bearing fruit continually and leaves for the healing of the nations. So we know that in the end, we get to life. So, let me get to um, one place where this theme is definitely. Uh, let's go, go ahead on the slide. Oh, there we go. I am the true vine. John 15, Jesus says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. So the true vine means I am the source. I am the trunk. You're the branch. And the branch is dependent on the trunk. It's like the plant is dependent on the roots. Right? I, Jesus, am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Jesus was one of those prophets. He promised we'd be cut off if we weren't bearing that kind of fruit of justice and love. While every branch that does bear fruit, he says, good job, I like you, you're so nice. No, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Okay, so uh, which is the pain-free way here? I'm looking for the pain-free route, and I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing the, if I don't bear fruit, I get completely cut off. If I bear fruit, I get cut. Some. But I wanted the pain-free route. There is no pain-free route. There's no pain-free route through life, folks. Every route has pain. Because God has a bigger goal than you being pain-free. Surprise. He's got a bigger goal than you being happy and me being happy. He's got a big goal, and, and part of his big goal is pruning. He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So you have to stay with the trunk. You have to have your roots down in Jesus or else nothing happens. And even so, when you're fruitful, even then, he comes along and cuts off. Ouch! ouch, ouch. He says, I think it'd be more beautiful this way. And he cuts off those things because he's pruning it to give it the shape that he wants, the beauty that he sees. And he says, you know what? This one here, that's kind of dry. That could, it's kind of dead there. That could get some disease. That could ruin the whole plant. I've got to cut that one off. This one here has got some... That's kind of dead, too. Got to get rid of that. Um, and this one, yeah. There's some dead there. Has anybody felt pruned in the last two years? Anything been cut off? And Did it hurt when it was cut off? cut out of your life that you didn't want to get cut out of your life? Maybe God's judging us. Maybe He's pruning us. Maybe He's giving us an opportunity to decide if we're going to be cut off or pruned. Maybe God wants to overflow. See, that river comes. And when it comes, then it goes to the roots and it produces A beautiful plant. And even the beautiful plant gets pruned. Because why do do people prune plants? Well, they they prune them to cut off so extra energy doesn't go to fruitless branches. Cut off those branches. And so that deadness and disease don't ruin the whole plant. You've got to take these and get them far away so that the disease doesn't come back to the plant. I think God might be pruning us, giving us an opportunity to be pruned. And personally, I'm kind of squeaming under the pain or the promise of pain. Let's go on. Surgery hurts. Pruning hurts. But it's for life. It's for fruitfulness. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me. And I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from ye, you can do nothing. Are you remaining in Jesus? His word, his spirit, his love? Apart from him, we can do nothing. No, I don't want to hear that. I'm all for independence. But God's all about God-dependence. Any ever see a branch independent of the trunk, independent of the root? I have. I think he says what happens to those. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. What's the purpose? I'll be honest. The purpose I like is my glory, my honor. But God is after His honor and His glory. You know, I think our church has experienced some pruning, and there has been some things that have been cut away, and there's been some people who've been sent away, and some people who've been gone elsewhere. And and it, few are in some more online. I know that, but I'll be honest. That kind of hurts. Because about my glory. My own. I want to be part of a flourishing, growing church, mostly about God's glory, I think. But maybe it's about my beloved church. And maybe because I get some responsibility or some. But God is all about his glory. And he'll get that through growth, through pruning, whatever way he needs to do it to get glory for. God, that's what what I need to be about too. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Our fruit bearing gives glory to God. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So even his pruning, it's all about love. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Again, I like the independence, but this is about obeying. Right? Dependence. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I I do want joy. But it's all in him. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Are we laying down our lives, our preferences, our ways we'd like to do things for our friends? You are my friends if you do what I command. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last. And so that wherever, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Are you laying down your life for your friends? Honestly, just the littlest things can get me that I don't really want to do for somebody else. I want to do it my own way. But if I'm laying down my life for my friends, it's different, isn't it? So this is my command. Love each other. I want to go to the end of of Luke, of John, sorry. John 21. In this this place, Jesus says to Peter, after Peter has denied him, do you remember what happened to Peter? Jesus is going to the cross, and Peter was all gung-ho until he was like, What? I thought we were going to the kingdom. I thought you were the Messiah. I thought we you mean Crucifixion you mean pain you mean death Uh, I don't know who that is I'm not sure about following you there. I'm all about following you, but I don't know about following you there And Jesus comes to us and gives him a chance to restore and says Peter. Do you love me? He says yeah, I do He says, okay, feed my sheep. Do you really love me, Peter? And three times he gets him a chance to affirm that he loves him. And then he says this. Verily, truly, Peter, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, keep in mind, Peter withdrew and quit following when it came to pain and death. But we're going to see that Peter in Acts is a different spirit-filled follower who follows through on this. And he follows Jesus to prison. He follows Jesus to beating. And after Acts, he follows him to being crucified upside down. And he rejoices that he gets to follow him because he missed it the first time. And he gets to experience suffering with Jesus. Are you willing to follow him even if it takes pain and suffering and maybe death? This is what motivated the people in Acts that are so amazing. The Holy Spirit motivated them, but because they followed without fearing those things or fearing people, just fearing God, they were unstoppable. God was unstoppable so uh, this verse is special to me for uh, especially now and the reason is uh, when my dad was 70 he was uh, had some uh, prostate surgery and then they came back and said actually you have cancer we need to take the whole thing and he said God (laughs) he went to God and God gave him this verse and He said, you know, I have watched too many Pentecostals go kicking and screaming into the grave. Even pastors said, I will not do that. I am going to follow and I'm going to glorify God, whether that's with my life or my death. And so dad went to surgery with this. So this is kind of the verse I'm hanging on to. I'm going to glorify God. Hopefully, it'll be successful. Hopefully, um, everything will be fine. But you know, everybody who tells me, oh, it'll be fine, I'm like, how do you know? I don't know. My surgeon doesn't know. He keeps getting, well, there's this, you know, a chance of this and a chance of that and a chance of the other thing. Who has this certainty? Only God knows. But he knows how to glorify himself. And my responsibility is to follow now John, Peter, as he go on, says, "Well, what about John?" He says, "Who cares about John? You follow me." And we're doing a lot of comparing. Well, what about that person? How come they're doing that, and why aren't they? And ever notice how we're able to notice all the sins of everyone else so easily, and all of their fears, and all of their problems, and all of their inconsistencies, and somehow. We have a hard time taking the log out of our own eye, right? So, your job is to follow God. My job is to follow Jesus. And his job is to take care of me. And your job is to pray for me that I'll follow Jesus. And that I will glorify him in everything and whatever happens. That's is what I want to have happen. So thank you. So how will you let God grow you this year? How will you let God grow us? Because he wants us to be a fruitful vineyard, a beautiful forest bearing fruit all the time. How are you going to let God grow you this year? What root or source are you going to go to? to give you life, to give you delight, to give you hope, to give you whatever you need, to give you food, to give you health, to give you everything you need. Will you go to God? To His Son, the vine, to His Word that Psalm 1 talks about, to Ephesians 5 talks about, you rooted and grounded in love. Galatians 5 talks about bearing the fruit of the Spirit, not other kinds of fruit, because we're Rooted in the Spirit. Is God your source? Can you make him more your source? How can you make him your source? What about fear? What do you fear? Do you fear pain? Self preservation? Do you fear people? Or do you really fear God more than any of that? What about direction? Is your direction avoiding pain, or is your direction following Jesus? Whatever pain, whatever cost. Where is Jesus? Let me go there. Whatever it costs. What is your goal? Is it glorifying yourself, honoring yourself, looking good? Or is it glorifying God? Whether that's through pain or joy, or plenty, or lack. These are my questions for myself. What is my source? What, what am I afraid of? Where am I going? What's my goal? So finally, maybe a little more practical, What? how will you receive God's flow this year? How will you receive God's? What, what life-giving word or truth do you need to hear? Maybe it's a positive one. Maybe it's a correcting one maybe it's a negative one what do you need to hang on to that god is telling you telling us for this year what path what practices can help you to get there what will help you put your roots down deeper into that word that truth into god into his spirit maybe it's scripture reading maybe it's prayer maybe it's something you need to cut out that's distracting, that's draining instead of overflowing. What practices might help you with that? And then what community might help you with that? I hope this community can help you with that, whether you're online or here in person. But I hope also that you have some closer friends, some family, some other people who can, you can really be honest with. I mean, I hope this community is a place where you can really be honest. I mean, if you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't it. If you're looking for an honest church, we're getting closer. Honestly. (laughs) We can share, we we need to be where we can share with you, but, but honestly, you can't share everything with everybody here. But find some people who you can share, or you can be naked and not ashamed with where you can be honest before God and with them. So what, what do you need to hang on to? What truth? What practice will help you to deep, dig deep into that and, and also cut out anything else? And what community can you find and dig deeper into that will keep you accountable and help you do that? Because we're so blind. You know, my favorite Swahili proverb, Nyani haoni kundule." The Babu never sees its own rear end. I can't see. I need you to tell me. You know, honestly, um, Janice does a pretty good job of that. My kids do that. I have some good friends who do that. But um, and some of you do that too. And so we need people who show us who we really are and where, how we can follow Jesus. Because it's not it can't just be in my head and my own self-evaluation. What word? What practice? What community? Is going to lead us to God's overflow and to grow, and a year to grow in God's overflow. Would the the worship team come? Uh, Worship is one of those great practices to lead us toward God, to lead us to our source. Thank you for worship team. I'm going to pray as they come. Jesus, we need you. We need you. We ask you to come to us. We ask you to do your work in us. And we surrender ourselves our way to your way. We want to bear your fruits. We want to glorify you and only you can make that happen. So would you do that in us? The way you want to do it in us? Show us the path that you have for us. The things that might need to be pruned and help us to surrender to you. May you be glorified in all that happens. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm going to invite you to respond to the word. Um, while they're worshiping, you're you're welcome to come up front. You're welcome to. Uh, there'll be some people to pray with you here. Um, you're welcome to do whatever um, helps you to respond to this word from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We thank you that you have everything. You are in control. You know what's going to happen. Thank you that we are dependent upon you because you are dependable. Thank you that you are our source. Because you have all life and hope and health and love and joy and everything we need. Thank you that you are the one, because we only need one. Thank you that you are the one who makes us one. Thank you that you are our source and that you are the flow that allows us to overflow. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So thank the Lord. He's the source of all you need this week. He's the source of everything. He's the source of everything. <laughs> and... uh Can't get better than everything. So I thank you for your prayers. January 25th is my surgery date, as long as there's a hospital bed open. And uh, thank you for all of you and your uh, just walking with God. And it's great to watch each other follow Jesus and go there together. So go in the blessing, the grace, the life, Of Jesus, the love of the Father, the comfort and power of the Holy Spirit. To glorify his name. To receive all he has. And to follow Jesus this week and in the coming weeks. Amen.